Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. That is uh, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Sending that out to John Morant, who will be without his best pick-and-roll dance partner for the next month or so. So, Stephen Adams gone for three to five weeks. Uh, what's the impact? Um, considerable. You know, he's one of their best players. Uh, they are, they've been much worse without him on the floor this season. They have the second-best net rating, you know, points per one you know, point differential per 100 possession. So they have the second best net rating in the NBA this season after Boston on the whole. Right. When it was Adams off the floor, it's been good, but more in line with like the Knicks and the Jazz and like middle of the pack, you know, playoff contender kind of teams. So that's how they played this season with that with Adams off the floor. Um, and so you know, if they if they play at that level, they'll probably lose a little ground. Uh, if they play worse than that, you know, they could lose a lot of ground. Um, so so we'll see. It's actually – it's been a bigger issue for them offensively than defensively without him, even though he doesn't score a lot. Just the ro- little things he does in terms of the offensive rebounding, the screening, the, the playmaking, all that little stuff has been essential to, like, helping their offense work. And so they're going to have to find a way um, – they have to play a lot differently without him and more often. And so that'll be interesting to see. It's funny. I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering this, but in the playoffs last year, they were without Steven Adams. He got hurt in the playoffs, right? And then there was a question of whether well, – they, Well, no, they – what? It was multiple things. Yeah. I mean, they benched him. They right. benched him against Minnesota, and then he got covid and then he got hurt, and right. so it was like all three of those things in succession. So was the benching against Minnesota because it, it, there was there were questions of when they were better without Stephen Adams. Is that matchup specific, or are we has Stephen Adams had dramatically more impact this year than last? Well, no, it was matchup specific. It was a playoff thing against Carl Anthony right. Towns, and, and some would argue that they overreacted to that. You know, Towns really abused him, like, in game one of that series, and they went away from it very quickly. Right. Um, 
whether they should have or not is up to debate, um, but that's what they did. You don't play Car Anthony Towns every night. There aren't many like seven foot, right. two hundred and sixty pound dudes Shoot who can threes. flash threes, you know. Right. And so that's not typical. I do think Adams overall has been a little bit better this season than last season. He was great last season, um, but that is matchup oriented. Um, and so I think you know, on the whole, this team is a lot better with Stephen Adams. Yeah. Um, you know, and how they deal with that, you know, going forward. I, I think what, you know, what they've done is they've, they've Tillman has moved from out of the rotation to the starting lineup. Right. I think that'll continue, and they've kept Jackson, Clark, and Aldama in their roles. I think that'll continue until they're, they'll, unless they are forced to go away from that. Um, but the other thing is that they don't have a lot of depth. And so, you know, if, they, if some other injury happens to one of those four, and then you get really into tricky territory. Um. Yeah, so they've historically gone with Tillman. You expect them to go with Tillman. Do we? Will we see more of these? Do you imagine we will see more of the interesting combinations, some of which we've wanted to see anyway, including Jaron and Santi together. I I don't I don't assume we will. I'm actually writing. I wrote a whole big column yesterday that published. Right. You know, three hours before the Adams news, I wasn't planning to write it again, but now I'm in the middle of writing another big column about sort of reacting to some of this stuff. And sort of what I what I what I said there is that, you know, the Grizzlies talk about like we don't have hard positions. They talk about you know basically just guards, wings, and bigs, not power forwards and centers. That's how they talk. That's not how they function. Right. They are actually very strict about it. Um, and so what they've tended to do is, you know, they'll call Stephen. They don't call it, but they treat Stephen Adams as a center and Brandon Clark as a center, and they treat. Jaron Jackson is a power forward, and Santiago Dama is a power forward, and they play a center and a power forward. And so they'll, they do that now this with Tillman. So what they tend to do is Tillman's a center and Clark's a center, and Jaron's a power forward, and Aldama's a power forward, and they don't play the two centers together, they don't play the two power right. forwards together. That's how they've actually functioned. I do think they should switch that. They, they should shake it up more because I don't see – I mean, I, I see it more how they talk than how they function. I, I don't see these as hard separations. I think they have, in fact, played Clark and Dillman together well in the past, and I think they could play Jackson and Aldama together well in the future. So I would, I would advise shaking all that up, but that has not been how they functioned. Um, all right, so we will see what happens there. In the meantime, I guess the, the good health news is that Danny Green on his podcast said he expects to make his debut – February 1, I think that's a home game against Portland. Um, and uh, so that's good, right? That we'll get, we'll get to see him before the uh, trade deadline. Yeah, it's good. It's also funny to me in all kinds of ways in, in that, like, it's so counter to how the Grizzlies actually operate. <laughs> right. You know, to, like, announce a week ahead, this is the day I'm going to play. I mean, I, does that mean we're not going to get, like, the questionable – you know, designation and then the doubtful. No, and then we're still the... going to get all that. We're 100% right, going right. to get all that. Yes. It is Does interesting. That Taylor Jenkins has to play him on, on that date. What if Taylor Jenkins decided to, like, you know, I'm sticking with Conchar and Zaire. Now, I would play him, and I think Jenkins will, but it's like, you know, to announce I am going to play on this date a week from now when, you know, you've never played for this team before, it's kind of funny to me. Don't you think that they actually internally have – targeted dates like that for all their injuries they just don't re- yeah yeah they, they yes. just don't do they just don't do it publicly sure and so then in addition to that then you had a story from Woj. like it is just funny but nba media is crazy <laughs> like it's just and then it's so then in addition you had a story from Woj about it and Woj saying you know danny green saying he wants to be here 
for two years. And yes, none of this would have happened had he not gone and announced it on his podcast. Uh, but that's good news. And so that's the good news here. Um, it's hard to feel too sorry for the Grizzlies, although they have, you know, it's one thing or another after another after another. But when you look around and you see Brooklyn, you know, has been going along without KD and you see, uh, you know, um, the Warriors without Steph and you see, I mean, you certainly can't, doesn't feel like they've been beset by injuries any more than anyone else, right? No, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I mean, I haven't committed it to study, but injuries happen all over the place all the time. It's just that we're only focused on the Grizzlies, or mostly focused on the Grizzlies. So I don't think their their situation has been particularly special this season. No. All right. The piece that you wrote for today was about half court offense. Now, the piece that you did not address in it, of course, was Stephen Adams' importance to the half court offense because he wasn't gone yet. He wasn't gone yet. I take it that is going to be a further blow, though, right? Yeah, no that that is that is that is the one. If you had to pick apart one area of play, like that, where you miss him most, like you separate transition offense, transition defense, half court offense, half court defense. The one area where he is most important is probably the half court offense, because the the core function of their half court offense is him setting picks for John Morant, and then what everything that flows out of that. And so it's already been a weakness for them, and now you're taking away one of the most important tools you have in your half-court offense. So, yes, they're just going to have to do it differently. I mean, they're going to have – instead of instead of John Morant relying on that, that Steven Adams pick to spring right. him into tight, tight spaces, it's going to have to be, like, spread out more and give him more – more, more more real space instead of more, like, specific openings to me, which is why I – I think they should take a good look at the Jaron Jackson, Santi Aldama thing because that's the best way to space it out. It's sort of remarkable. Um, they talked when they when when they talked in the off season about what they needed to do better. Um, the biggest focus was half court offense, and that is ostensibly why they made some of the changes they made, why they brought in the rookies they brought in. Here we are, as you documented in the piece today, which people can read at the Daily Memphian. Here we are a year later, and they've gone from 22nd in half-court offense to 23rd in half-court offense, uh, which is pretty striking for an elite team um, for them to be. And and while they talked about the changes they were making to improve their half-court offense, none of them really – you couldn't have imagined that, that they would necessarily have much of an impact – Helping the upward trajectory in the first year, right? Like, w- why would we think? Yeah, that that, that, offense would that's be better? the yeah. thing. Like, 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 uh, Jake Laravia and David Roddy might might function really well in the way they envision it, like next year and the year after, or the year right. after, or whatever. But they're not even playing right now. And like, and not to keep harping on this, but like, Kyle Anderson's shooting forty percent from three. By the way, if you follow, if you follow Minnesota people, they're like. They're like, you know, I, I used to assume this, the shots fall on when Kyle Anderson shoots it, which sounds weird, but that's the season he's having. <laughs> and, and like, like, like Melton and Anderson were just much better. I mean, just, it's just these are much better. Um, and, and, but even in terms of shooting, they've been more effective at that this season than the rookie, those rookies have been. I guess there so, was, yeah, I, I mean, guess there's some hope that John Conchar would have been more effective. Well, Aldama, Aldama's than, been good though. That, that's right. why you know I don't really question the Anderson thing. Aldama's been good, but but they didn't. And maybe you know maybe Danny Green starts playing, and, and the whole thing changes a little bit. If you have Green and Aldama sort of in those roles, you know, you know maybe so. But 
the idea that, you know, we're bringing in these rookies to help their half-court offense and to give us more shooting and more spacing, that might be true ultimately. But that's not the effect this season. Yeah. I, I guess the way I would phrase it is is that it's sort of remarkable to think that they identified this as this is a problem for us. We need to be better in the half-court offense. And yet practically, really, for this year, they did nothing to fix it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah. That, you know, yes. Um, you know, on. Danny Green might help fix it. Um, okay. You identified, though, three of the issues uh, with, with, uh, the, that went into this, the half-court offense. One is uh, Dylan, and here we are again. Here we go again. Dylan's usage is too high. Jaron's usage is too low. Um, and uh, what else did you say? Zaire Williams and free throws. Those four categories you wrote about. Let's just start with the usage questions with Dylan and Jaron Jackson Jr. What's the what what what, what has, is this? Is it is it trending worse again, or what's happening with Dylan? Yeah, his his, his efficiency has been trending down in the last you know I'd say a couple of weeks. Uh, and that could pop trend back up. Um, it's never been good, but it's been pretty bad lately. And so on, on the whole, in the season, you know this, this issue they've had with him of the gap between his usage and efficiency being among the widest in the league, it's still among the widest in the league. And I illustrate that in some specific terms. And so he's just doing too much offensively, and especially in terms of shooting and scoring, for how poorly he's been doing it. Now they have, you know, I think if you go back to, you know, before last season or go back to last season or whatever, he was not definitively behind Desmond Bain in terms of, you know, from a, from a shot volume perspective, but he is this season. So he successfully pushed down to third in the pecking order, but he has not pushed down to fourth behind Jackson. And that, that's still the work that more than that's sort of the work still to be done. And, and it's not like Jaron is wildly efficient for a big, but he's way more efficient in what he does than Dylan is. And I illustrate he's shooting better inside the arc. He's shooting better from three point line and he's drawing, many more fouls relative to the shots he takes. And so you get a lot more on average out of, out of Jaron Jackson's shot attempts than you do Dylan Brooks' shot attempts. And I think that that is still not where it needs to be in terms of pecking order. Thoughts on Zaire? Well, it's not just Zaire. It's sort of the, it's the wing depth, which we've right. been talking about. It, it's Zaire and Conchar as, as, your, as, your, as your wings off the bench. And, you know, Zaire had the one good fourth quarter in that near comeback against Phoenix – but you take that fourth quarter aside, Zaire and Conjure have both been consistently unproductive offensively for weeks at this point. Um, and, and that's just, you can't, you can't keep getting that. It's not tenable for you. And I, you know, Zaire has the skills as he showed in that fourth quarter against Phoenix, you know, to, to be what you want him to be, but it's just, it hasn't gotten to the point that you're ready to rely on it. And so, you know, whether it's Danny Green or the trade deadline, and it's more than likely just Danny Green, they, they need more they need more pop from their wings off the bench. And then uh, and then you mentioned free throw shootings, but the problem with free throw shooting is there's not much to be done, although it will probably improve in the next three to five weeks. Just right, right, right. There is that. So the free throw shooting <laughs> will, will, will get better, yeah. Yes. Um, all right, all right, last question, and this is about the uh, – uh, I was looking more at the Oscar nominations – Anything particularly surprising to you or unjust? Like Top Gun Maverick uh, as it was nominated as a Best Picture. It's obviously not going to win, but doesn't seem like the type of movie that typically would be nominated. Nope was not nominated. Should Nope have been included? What were your thoughts on Best Picture? I was surprised Nope 
got no nominations in any category. Nope, nope was my like I don't remember third, fourth favorite movie of the year, and so and it was also a hit. By the way, it was like an actual right. hit that that I thought was one of the best movies of the year. I'm not surprised it did not get a best picture nomination, and obviously would have been on my list. I think even though it was kind of a hit, I think people people kind of sort of struggled with it. It's a pretty like it's a pretty hard movie to get get your get your your hands around. So that didn't surprise me, but I was surprised it got completely shut out. Yeah, I was surprised the Woman King got completely shut out, um, which was a sort of an action epic starring. Um, and now I'm blanking Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two movies I was most surprised got. I think zero nominations. Uh, and your two favorites are for Best Picture are the ones you liked were Tar and Banshees of of whatever. In a Sharon. In a Sharon. Those two, right? Yeah. Yep. I haven't seen either. Yep. All right. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.